All right, Mr. Beta, your next appointment is here. It's Al Pacino. Come on in, Al. Oh, man, is it bright in here. Bright lights. Bright lights. Turn those things down and pull down the shade. Oh, don't you know by now, sunlight is my mortal enemy. Oh, Mr. Pacino, no. Oh, oh, look out. I am soaked. If I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times. You can't get me wet. Bad things happen when I get wet. That's great, but... Oh, I'm so hungry. What time is it? 11.30, I could eat a horse, but you know as well as I do that you cannot feed me after midnight. Oh, no matter how much I cry, no matter how much I beg, there's no fucking way anything good can come from me eating after midnight. Uh, Mr. Pacino, I'm... Uh... I'm afraid there's been some confusion. This isn't the Gremlins 2 call. These are the auditions for Dick Tracy. Audition? Coming soon. This summer. At theaters everywhere. Opening weekend. Read it R. Welcome to episode 54 of Opening Weekend. I'm Jason O'Connell, and I am once again joined by my dear, dear friends, Fred Berman and Dan Matisa. And this week, we travel back to June 15th, 1990. And that weekend's two major releases, a pair of would-be blockbusters that turned out to be a little too quirky for general audiences and for their respective studios, Warren Beatty's Dick Tracy and Joe Dante's Gremlins 2, The New Batch. But before we dive into all the candy colored excess. Fred and Dan, where were you guys in June of 1990? For once, I remember exactly where I was. Exactly where I was for once. What What year? What year is it? 1990. Oh, I don't remember. No, I do Mm. remember. The movie theater. I was working at the movie theater at Movie City, and we were showing Dick Tracy. Mm. Wait, was this the one that they they accused you of stealing from? No, that was Cineplex Odeon, big, massive, you know. uh, Oh, right, right, um, right, right. Okay. um, You know, nationwide chain or or regional chain. This was a small local chain that had like three theaters called Movie City. And uh, I worked at the new one called Movie City 6, which we called Movie Shitty Sex. We weren't very creative by the, at that point. <laughs> that's a shallot no. review right there. That's, that's not exactly wrong right. That. We were doing, we were shalloting. There are people who make good money. <laughs> Shalotsaurus named that place. Movie shitty sex. And uh, it was, it was, it looked like you were trapped inside of a Miami Vice episode. This was the nineties. And yet it was all like, like electric blue and pink and neon. And it was like, you were in a Phil Collins video when you no walked one wore into this socks. Place. No one wore socks and, and Don Johnson was now, there. Is this the one you, this has got to be the same place you talked about because we did the, um, we did Ghost and Quick Change last summer, which were yes. both from 1990. And That's this right. was, the, is this the place with the infamous. Oh, the poop on the wall. Shit spray, the poop oh, on the wall. Oh, yes, 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 yes. This was the poop spray. Go back to, if you want to hear summer. a great poop spraying story. <laughs> Go back to episode eight of opening weekend. First talk to Fred. Then 
I've never seen anything like this. Yes, Dick Tracy was a big, big opening night. I remember that. And then it kind of fizzled. And we'll talk right. about we'll yeah. talk about it. It kind of fizzled real quick. And, yeah. and there was like one big theater and a couple of medium-sized ones and then a couple of small ones. And, uh, you know, things would sort of linger into the smaller theaters. And that's usually when I would sort of peek in and, and see them. But uh, I saw Dick Tracy a lot. But it was, it was an interesting um, uh, place to work because – uh, uh, the, you know, it was, uh, it was the movies, right? It was everything that you, that you, <laughs> that you wanted, you know, there were big openings and big premieres mm-hmm. and it was like, okay, we're excited for this movie to come. And, and it was a local place. So you, so people were supporting like a local chain and stuff like that. But because it was local, there was no <laughs> oversight to like anything. <laughs> it was just like, sort of like you, 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 you might see the manager on a given night. You might not. You kind of show up <laughs> clock in and it's like, is anybody going to give me my drawer of money is anybody going to replenish this candy it might not happen because they you know they were also the projectionists you know and it was oh, just like they were, they were yeah. doing a million jobs and it was a small That's a place movie. why hasn't there been a, a movie about like wacky projectionists or the you know the the ragtag group of of, of ne'er-do-wells that work at the movie theater in the 90s that's, or the a, 80s. Yeah. that's a brilliant idea and that's exactly what this was it ha, ha, you know um what was that movie about the record store that we watched empire that awful records. thing empire yeah. Re- you could do an empire records of like an 80s 90s movie theater yeah, or, yeah i don't you know, know why anybody the way clerks done that. was about a video people, store you yes. know it would be it would be great because we had some crazy characters who worked there and um um, one of the one of the most fun things to do and most disgusting things was in the back there was a vat, a literal vat of orange gelatinous goo. What the fuck are you talking about? Um, of orange gelatinous goo. And what you would do is you would take this melting stick and plug it in and shove it into this like solidified, congealed gunk. That was or- bright orange, like, and and that was what you made the popcorn with. It was. Oh, the popcorn I'm never oil. having movie popcorn I, I, again. I know Disgusting. because we did that. We had a popcorn machine, like a small popcorn machine, mm-hmm. at the video store that I. Oh yes, at, you're at the video which, store at this it time. It reminded me of the very, well. It was a couple of years before, but it reminded me of that. Uh, that very like home. It was like this one old chain smoking woman who ran things, <laughs> and maybe she'd be there. Maybe she wouldn't. I was like. 15, the opening and closing the place. I'm like, yes, I don't know right. what I'm doing. You know, You're giving but so much responsibility. We had to make the popcorn. I was like, this is what... And I, I con my, I was like, this is, well, this is for video stores, sure. But at the movie theater, it's better. Now I know. Oddly enough, we had that same gelatinous vat of orange goo at the Village Bath Club. And... <laughs> We would just dive in and just, you know, roll around and tan ourselves. For boiling down the old swarthy men, right? They wanted, they used it as, uh, what SPF was it? Was it a 15 or? It was like a negative three. <laughs> nice. It literally, nice. Bur- it, did, it didn't keep the sun from burning into your skin. It just burned right in. It just <laughs> and dug turned, in. And, yeah. Turned you orange. Yeah, exactly. Where were you, Fredo? I was, well, I was a senior and I was either, I, I, I don't know if, if I'd graduated at this point from high school. Or I was getting pretty darn close to graduating. Probably a week uh, Yeah, and leaving Manhasset High School. And I was probably at this point, I think I was, I, I don't think we'd graduated just yet. That was, that was imminent, but uh, we had our senior frolic, I remember around this time. Ooh, so we had our hello. senior prom 
And that was in the winter, which was strange because most people's proms, I believe, are in the spring. Yeah, they're like yeah. the last thing right before graduation. Yeah, we had our prom in the winter, and ours was at Tavern on the Green. And oh, then, excuse but then we, the fuck oh, out of Jesus me. Jesus Christ. Yeah. What the fuck? Are you kidding me? Oh, now Tavern we on know. the goddamn green. Now we know who's rich on the podcast. <laughs> Not at all. Wow. Not at all. Wow. Tell, it, tell it to your senior prom or gala <laughs> or or fish fry or whatever you had at wow. Tavern Where, where the was the senior frolic? The top of the Chrysler building? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Tavern no. on the green. My senior prom was at the Woodbridge Hilton. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's not my fault. Yes, the town I grew up in it was rather wealthy. We were not. We were very, you know, middle class, but uh, mm-hmm. no, it's, it was Manhasset is a, yeah. is a nutty town in terms of, of, of wealth distribution. It's, uh, yeah. I go back there now sometimes and I'm like, wait, my friends lived in, th- that's a house? Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, it's, it's enormous. So anyway, the school, they had a lot of money and who knows, but but the frolic, no, the frolic was, so that was our final dance of the year for the seniors. And that was always held, that was in the gym, but it was cool because they would transform it. There was always a theme. And that mm. year it was a, uh, it was like Roman holiday. I think it was like a big <laughs> toga party type thing. So they transformed the gym into this huge, you know, like, you know, ancient Rome type thing. And, wow. um, and I went with, uh, did I go? Yes. I went with Nina. I was dating oh, Nina at the time. Oh, wonderful. And uh, in fact, we broke up that summer. That was the thing. I was like, when I right. go to college, I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I think we should, we should break up because I'm going to go to college and, you know, who knows what's going to happen. And what happened was I got to college and I just cried about breaking up with Nina. Right. But, you dumped her, but then your heart was broken. In yeah, the we didn't, well, no, it was a mutual, it was a mutual thing. You we both agreed that. Her. No, me, let's, not let's at all. Let's put that out there. No, oh. well, I, that's what she I told wrong. me. I <laughs> You're so lost without her. Where is my Nina? I left her in 12th grade. I'm okay. I'm over it. So, but what was cool about the frolic was my dad's band played, actually. And that was pretty neat. Neat? Oh, Did I just cool. say neat? It was neat. It was sweet. It's okay. It was swell. Golly gee. Uh, Pop, you sound great up there. Was it peachy keen? Yeah, so his his band played at my senior frolic, so that was that was pretty cool to see him up there rocking out while I was dancing around like an idiot. So yeah, so that was fun, and then just it was very cool to to see you know this entire room of of high school kids dancing to my dad, you Your know, dad. to the music of my dad. That's yeah, that's really was, nice. That's that, nice that, that you that you were happy about it and that you didn't have like some like embarrassment or something. You know what I mean? Sometimes kids at that age are like, dad, why do you have to be? (laughs) Stop singing rock me all night long. (laughs) (laughs) Save that for home. It was cool to see him do his thing because I hadn't seen him do that since I was, uh, you know, really young. And I think there was definitely a part of me in the beginning that was like, is that going to be weird that my dad's band is going to be playing? Mm. But it wasn't at all. I was like, oh, wow, this is, that's what, he, you know, it's like, oh, that's what he does. Yeah. You know, that's what they do. Their job is to get a room dancing and moving. And they did. Wow. And awesome. so I was like, oh, that's, that's really cool. God. What were you? You were a freshman, right? I was you were finishing fr- up your freshman year, I had just year, finished Jason? my first year of Hofstra. That's oh right. I had done, this was the semester I had done Othello with Dr. Richard Mason. Oh, right. And Kevin Shinnick, our uh, recent guest, Kevin Shinnick yes. was in that show. Um, yeah, that was really fun. And then the last thing I did, the, the, the thing that really 
said end of the semester, end of first semester of uh, not first semester, first year of college to me mm-hmm. was then I did a student project yes, uh, with Jonas. We were in love. Oh, L.U.V., the Murray Schiskel play. Oh, yes. Very, yes. very, very fucking funny play. Um, <laughs> and we only did like two performances on like one day at the very end of the semester. I mean, people were like wrapping things up and finals were going on. But this was like must have been this senior directing project. And we did two performances in one day. And I remember being very ner- excited nervous in a good way, you know, because it was the first juicy thing I was doing at, at Hofstra that anybody could see me. In. I lost my voice completely the day <gasps> of the two shows. No. no. Completely. Like and in a way that I never had before or since to this day, like 30 years later, I'm like, it was horrifying. Like I could not make a noise. Oh my God. I couldn't make any noise. My vocal cords, whatever was going on, however I had taxed them, I don't know what I did. That's you know, I didn't know scary. much. I hadn't taken a, a voice and speech class yet. I didn't, you know, I never warmed up for anything, you know. Was and there I was a lot always of screaming doing, in the show? There is. I think there, mm. from my recollection, yeah, it's a lot of that kind of, you know, high intensity emotion. I love you! L-U-V! <laughs> I love you! It's very like Gene Wilder, Zero Mostel produced. I mean, it's very oh, okay. in that so vein. It's crazy. crazy. It's very Neil Simon, Mel Brooksy, very kind of, I mean, it's just in that vein of all that stuff that we love that came out of that, you know, that like 60s, 70s kind of right. comedy. So yeah. what did you do? Was there an understudy? Yeah, did you do it? I did it, but I literally <gasps> did not talk except when I was performing and I Wow. Somebody, I can't remember who advi- advised me, was like, just hum all day. Don't yes. say, don't speak yeah. a word, wow. just hum, except when you're on the stage. And I just went to Bits and Bites. I remember in my costume and I drank, I bought like five cups of tea and it was, they were mostly just honey and lemon, barely any tea. But mm-hmm. that was the advice mm-hmm. I had gotten. And I was just drinking hot honey and lemon and just sitting there just humming every Jurassic Park hadn't come out yet, but I'm humming like Batman Raiders, any theme song, E.T. I'm just humming any like TV show theme, just humming to myself, walking around Hofstra's campus, like hoping that it will come back and not knowing if it would. And and I don't know if it was was probably just fucking adrenaline, but probably when it was time to do it, it was just like stress can do it. But then I mean, but then fine for the shows. But like shit before, shit in between, <laughs> shit after. But like got through the shows just fine. But I and it was wow. really surreal. It was like I, I'll never forget it because I was like, I, I lost my voice. Like it felt like you lost your voice and it was gone forever. Like, well, that's it. No more voice for you. <laughs> like right. it yeah, felt you're that done. crazy. It felt that crazy. Wow. Anyway, so that was the end of the semester. And I know exactly where I was on June fifteenth because I saw both of these movies on opening weekend. But on June fifteenth. It's the first time I saw the same movie twice in one day in the theater. What? And that was Gremlins Dieu. Wow. The new match, I saw it with a friend in the afternoon at a matinee, and then my family wanted to go at night, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'll go see that again. <laughs> so I saw that twice in the same day. And I've done wow. that a bunch of times in my life, but not that many. But I mean, I saw South Park. When I saw South Park with you, Fred, that was yeah. the result of a day where I had seen it. I think I'd seen it earlier in the day and I was like, you've got to see this. And then we yeah. went at night. I did it with There's Something About Mary. I saw it with my roommate, uh-huh. Tyler, in the morning at like 10 a.m. on the Upper West Side. And then that night I was having drinks with my buddy Kelly O'Coin, who's uh, an actor on Billions right now. Sure. Paul Giamatti. Oh. And he uh, and he, we're talking about it. I was like, I can't explain it. Let's just go see it. And I just saw that the same day. There's a bunch of movies like that where I've been like, wow, 
I am going back remarkably, but um, yeah, Gremlins 2. I mean, is the segue even necessary? No, that's it. That <laughs> I mean, I could have said, wow, you saw that movie twice. You're a real dick. <sighs> did it leave you breathless? Oh. oh. But, or <laughs> that is we an just interesting stick with Gremlins 2. <laughs> wow. To start with Gremlins 2, go to the other movie. Use yeah. the movie to segue away from it and then be like, I don't know how we yeah. get back to it later. Because um, I wasn't even with Fred. I was like, did we see a Gremlins dick in Gremlins and I missed it? How did I miss that? <laughs> no, oh, he's going to the other did. movie. I was like, was that yeah. the Donald Trump character name? Was it Dick? <laughs> Dick Clamp? Dick Clamp would be a funny name. Dick Clamp. <laughs> that was Fred's father's band name, Dick Clamp. Dick and the Clamp. Celebrate like cool Dick Clamps. Come on. <laughs> do, 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 do. It's a celebration. Uh, it's Gremlins 2, the new batch. Y'all looking like a bunch of sad sacks. This is G2, people. We writing Gremlins 2. It should be a party. What if we did this? Everybody here gets to design their own gremlin. So you mean like, what if there was like a brainy gremlin? <laughs> a brainy gremlin. You talking about a gremlin with glasses who could talk and sing New York, New York? That's brilliant. It's in the movie done. What about a uh, spider gremlin? You mean a gremlin with eight legs and a thorax just catching pretty ladies in a web in an office building? Oh my God, it's in the movie. I love it. Next. What about a bat gremlin? You mean a gremlin with leathery wings just flying around, flip-flopping, bust through a wall, make a perfect bat symbol in the wall, get outside, get in some wet concrete, jump up on a building that just dry in place like a gargoyle gremlin. We are cooking with gas now. I love it. It's in the movie next. Could there be a female gremlin? Lipstick boobies, bitch, you have me and little gremlin but JJ. I love it so much that it's not only in the movie, but it's definitely in the movie. There's no backseats on that one, no penny taxis. Yes, 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 in the movie, done! When the Chinatown curio shop that he calls home is bought and destroyed by developer Daniel Clamp, a Donald Trump slash Ted Turner hybrid played with comic verve and buoyancy by the great John Glover, Gizmo the Mogwai finds himself in the genetics lab of mad scientist Christopher Lee, who just so happens to rent office space in Clamp's smart skyscraper in Midtown Manhattan. Billy Peltzer, played by Zach Galligan, and his bride-to-be, Kate Berenger, played by Phoebe Cates, who previously dealt with Gremlins run amok in their small town of Kingston Falls, also work for Clam, and soon discover that an impish legion of Gizmo's reptilian pals have taken over the building. Can the couple, their boss, the guy who we all assumed was killed by a snowplow in the first movie, Grandpa Munster, and not one but two cast members from Sixteen Candles stop the creatures from escaping into New York City? Only time will tell. <laughs> Joe Dante assiduously avoided making a sequel to Gremlins for years, but when Warner Brothers gave him complete creative control over the proceedings, the director tapped into an even sillier and more satirical vein than the first film, complete with some blazing saddles-esque fourth wall smashing featuring those two master thespians, Leonard Maltin and Hulk Hogan. Thirty years on, Gremlins 2 The New Batch is considered something of a cult classic, a beloved oddity that many prefer to the first film, but it proved too bizarre for box office glory, earning only $41.5 million after a $9.7 million opening weekend. Fred and Dan, what'd you guys think of Gremlins 2 The New Batch? I went through so many 
emotions <laughs> watching this movie. And I sent you guys selfies yeah. of myself I watching I knew you were it. watching Gremlins, too. Yeah, yeah and yes. they were they were real. I just sort of set the phone up, and I was like, I'm just going to snap. Like, I, none of them were staged mm-hmm. as much as, you, you know, cannot stage a selfie like that. But <laughs> I had never seen it. I had seen <gasps> bits and pieces. Because when oh. this movie came out, I was sort of done with it. I wasn't, I didn't have an interest. I really, you know, I I loved Gremlins when it came out. And then, I don't know, it just didn't, I was like, I don't know if I need to see a sequel to that. Mm. And it looks sort of silly from the commercials. You know, there are all these different types of gremlins. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. at, at this point, I was like, no, I'm, 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 I'm watching Scorsese movies now. You know, I'm getting ready to, to be a theater major in mm-hmm. college next year. I have no time for this. Like I said, I'd seen bits and pieces of it. I remember when we, like, I knew that you famously wrote a paper about it in college. For Dr. Kolb, I wrote a paper. It, it was comparing Gremlins 2 and and the whole of Aristophonic comedy. I compared it to all the wow. plays of Aristophanes. Wow. And well, I, yeah. And I, I, I did it and I wrote the thing and I was ready to turn it in. And then I went to my mother. I was at my house on Long Island for whatever reason, my mom's house. And I said, I'm going to take an incomplete in this class. I'm not going to turn this in. And she was like, what? I was like, "It's." I, I read it back. I, I got cold feet. Like I was like, it, it was my wedding. I was like. This is too fucking stupid. I can't. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. But I worked hard on it. I mean, it was good. But I was like, but he's going to be like Gremlins 2, fair, and set it on fire or something. Oh, my God. And she was like, no, you're not. You turn it in. If you get an F, you get an F. But you're, you're not going to take it, not take the class. You paid for the class. Good for like, your mother. Okay. And I got an A+. Plus. Wow. It it. And it was. And I, it, I stand by it. I was thinking about it. I can't find the paper. But I'm like, oh. it is. It's. You, all of Aristophanes is basically plagues of different things, birds, frogs being yeah. visited upon society for their sins. It's some sort of it's always a social satire. This it's is a satire, social satire. Yeah. This is all yep. satire of modern culture. And then the fucking mm-hmm. gremlins come in and take over, you know, this modern day smart tech skyscraper. It's it actually is. Uh, it has. A, I stand by it. I want to find that paper. I want to publish. Please that do paper in a journal of some sort. I th- maybe Aristophanes will call on the heaven phone <laughs> and and give credence to what you wrote. Credence, clear water, whatever, <laughs> whatever he can give. Listening to what you just said, it actually reminds me. I, I wonder if that's similar to what Joe Dante felt after making this movie. Like, <laughs> I can't turn this in. I can't. I can't turn this in. This doesn't make sense. This is ridiculous. But he did it anyway. But I don't no, think he I had mean, any compunctions. No, I don't think so at <laughs> all. Like, because. Yeah, he didn't want to do it at all. <laughs> and they begged him and they begged him. And, and then wow. finally they gave him complete control. And I was like, oh, okay, all this makes sense. He didn't <laughs> want to do it at all. He didn't like the idea of doing a sequel. He was vocal about that. But then they throw enough money on him and he's like, wait, you're going to let me do whatever I want. And then it started to click. Yeah, I went through when the movie first started, my <laughs> initial reaction was this is terrible. I didn't like it right <laughs> from this. I didn't like how it looked. Uh-huh. Uh, it was just so different. It was a different feel immediately. I was like, oh, this looks like a bad TV movie yeah, in the beginning yeah. with the credits. And I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, the but, credits are so plain. You're right. Yeah, yeah. And I just thought, wait, what happened to the Capra? This isn't Capra anymore. This mm-hmm. is this isn't a right, small town right. fable. It's yeah. And then I thought, oh, wait a minute. Okay, they're in the big city. Okay, so this is like this is full on satire, what they're doing. That became pretty clear. When when you get to that first scene 
I think when you get oh, into can't. that office building, right? And John yeah. Glover and Robert Picardo and Haviland Morris. They were like, yeah, awesome. and it's yeah. still, who, uh, again, same thing. When she first walked out, I was like, oh, she's terrible. She's doing the worst New York accent I've ever, I'm like, wait, <laughs> is, that, is that the girl from 16 Candles? Mm-hmm. Oh, this is terrible. And then as it went on, I'm thinking, oh no, okay. All right, I see what's, I, th- I see what's going on with They're her. I like what fun. she's doing. Darling, it's you. Thank God you're here. Well, well, well. I could help you, or I could just leave you here. Listen, about Billy, nothing happened. I asked him out to dinner. It was strictly business. All right, it wasn't totally, completely, absolutely business, I'll be honest with you. It'll be a cathartic openness thing. You know, the whole idea of the smart building, I'm thinking, wow, how fucking prescient is that? Big time. And as it's going on, I'm thinking, this is this is anarchy. This is ridiculous. This is this is the Muppet Show. Yes. You know, not Sesame Street. This is the Muppet Show. This Hell's is things things are going nuts. And then you know the gremlins come and I'm going, Oh, wait a minute, what? These gremlins are stupid. Googly eye gremlin and, <laughs> and Edward G. Robinson. What? But then but then wait a minute. Oh, like I just, I kept jumping back from absolutely hating it to thinking, <laughs> is this one of the most brilliant movies uh, ever created? Uh, now, I don't know if it is, but it's definitely, I got, I don't even know how it, to describe. It's a can't I mean, take your eyes off it kind of movie. Like whether, when it's, when it's, when it's succeeding and when it's failing, it's like, or you know, it's like, just like, yeah. what the fuck? It's just the fact that you're constantly thinking it's amazing this got released that this that yeah. this as a sequel to a big budget studio blockbuster a Steven Spielberg movie that was like the third highest grossing movie in like one of the highest box office years Huge ever year, in yeah. 1984 with like right in between <laughs> Beverly Hills Cop and fucking Ghostbusters and you're like and this is what they made as a sequel 6 years later it's yeah. so weird and then you do you read the backstory and you're like oh he didn't want to do it and then once they gave the control they couldn't they had to release whatever yeah. he made. Yep. It's like, uh, it's kind of brilliant. I mean, that's the spirit of anarchy right there, right? You say the movie is the spirit Absolutely, of anarchy, yeah. but the Joe Dante is like, I'm a fucking Roger Corman filmmaker who has yeah. weird tastes and you keep wanting to give me the keys to the yes. They wanted them to do Batman. <laughs> they wanted them to do Jurassic Park. They, they, uh, wow. I mean, they, they, and then Jurassic Park, they wanted them to do after Gremlins too. They were like, he's good with creature wow. stuff. I mean, they keep trying to hand this guy the keys and he's like, I'm a fucking weirdo. I'm a guy. I'm R. Crumb. If you saw how I live in my basement, I'm just kidding. I don't know. Joe, Joe Dante is apparently, I actually, did I tell you a couple of years ago, I'd met Kevin Klein. He came and saw Sense and Sensibility right. years ago. And, and he was very kind and friendly. And then he he came and saw Dork Night on opening night of uh, when I did that uh, wow. at the Abingdon. And I saw him in a restaurant a few years ago. And I'm just like, oh, my God, Phoebe Cates. I'd never met her before. Oh my God. And we talked for like a half hour. And we oh, talked so about all sorts you, of stuff. So he recognized you, knew you knew exactly who yeah, you were? Yeah, he remembered me. It was, wow. This was shortly. This was like a year after he had seen me in Sense and Sensibility. It was he was so nice. And then she was so, so nice. And she was Aww. like, tick. And I was like, I'm going to tell her how much I fucking love Gremlins. And, and oh she was like, God. Oh, I lo- I'm so glad. I love, she's like, I love those two. She's like, and then she was like, Aww. Gremlins too. You like that one? She's like, Oh God. She's like, you know, Joe is the nicest guy. He would love to, I, when I talk to him, I'll tell him how much, I mean, wow. as if people don't like Gremlins and tell me. them that all the time. But she was like, 
She was like, Joe Dante is the sweetest man, nicest Aww. man, most normal, sweet guy. So I, I said it's all great. of that. I All of this shit is to say, I don't think he lives in a basement, you know, <laughs> jacking off to a pile of doll heads. I think he, I think he's a lovely, normal person who is a, a funny, quirky sense of humor. You now, know? Chris um, Columbus, let's ugh. talk about <laughs> sicko. <laughs> um, but, but it's, I it's, it's, I mean, it, yeah, he took this idea of a sequel and was like, well, I'm going to turn, you want a sequel? I'm going to give you a sequel. But like, it it was, it was almost like he was parroting the concept of sequels. Yes. Yes. You know, he's like, we don't, we don't need to do, you know. He's indulging in the excess and he's mocking the excess. Yes. Totally. And I mean, he, he goes, the, the moment where I just sort of said, where I started to think, Okay, this is some sort of there's some sort of brilliance in all this. Is the Leonard Malton Hulk Hogan sequence? Yeah, right. When when that when they broke the fourth wall, it was yeah. so meta. The whole movie was so meta, and I didn't realize it until that moment. <laughs> and that's when I was just I, I was beside myself with glee. Today we'll start with our video watch. Just re-released on video is the movie Gremlins, though I really can't imagine why. Now I know some people found this movie fun, but me. I'd rather spend two hours having root canal work done. What's fun about a movie full of ugly, slimy, mean-spirited, gloppy little monsters who run amok and attack innocent people? Our moviegoers so desperate for entertainment that this one is trash and has to fun. Wait a minute! Just kidding! Oh, a ten! It's a ten! When the movie first started, I was completely confused because it starts with Looney Tunes. It starts with Bugs yeah, and Daffy. The first and I'm thinking, you see are Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck. It's as if Joe Dante is saying, get ready because this is what this movie's going to be. Yes. It's going to be a Looney Tunes. Yes, exactly. And in the beginning, I was like, what is going on? I'm like, oh, because it's WB. Was there some weird crossover that they had to do this? And yes, Dan, you're exactly right. Mm-hmm. As it went on and I realized and they sort of come back again, I'm going, Oh, no, yes, it's a Looney Tunes cartoon. Yeah, it's signaling. crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's Daffy Duck getting shot in the face and his beak turning around and mm-hmm. pulling it back. And that's the whole fucking movie. <laughs> yes, that's it. Well, the, 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 and then it ends with Bug and, Bugs and Daffy and yes. Porky Pig and everything. You know, and the fucked up thing is that at, at the end, it says, you know, uh, Bugs and Daffy sequences directed by Chuck Jones. And it was like, mm-hmm. oh, Joe Dante didn't even direct those little sequences. Chuck Jones, the the legendary, you know, director of Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies directed, directed those. But those, I think, were the least funny things in the movie. They're I not agree. funny. No, they're no. Weird. not at all. And they look weird they look and they're cheap. not quite right. Yeah, they look, they look cheaply really cheap. done. And I was like, why is this happening? Oh, and God, we're going back to it at the end. I was like, I was like, that doesn't belong in this movie, even though I know what Joe Dante's doing. And of course, he directed a movie we reviewed on this podcast few months ago, Looney Tunes back in action. Yeah. So he's a huge fan of that mm-hmm. as well as Chuck Jones is in Gremlins. Do you remember? He's the at the oh. bar at the bar in the original Gremlins. No, I didn't where know that. Billy's drawing like a dragon lady that has Polly Holiday's oh. head on it. And there's oh. a guy, an old man sitting next to him at the bar and he's like, keep it up. You're real good. You're gonna you've oh got quite a career God. ahead of you, Billy. And that's Chuck Jones, the animator. So, he's so, cool. so I think cool. I think the same way Warner Brothers gave Joe Dante complete control, I think he was like Legend, legendary 90 year old hero of mine, Chuck Jones. Yes. Here, go make, do whatever you want, make an opening and a closing to my movie. Mm. And, you know, and Chuck Jones is not 
Chuck Jones in 1990 is not Chuck Jones in the 1940s and 50s, you know, so so it has this. But but I don't know if that's even Chuck Jones's fault. All the Looney Tunes stuff from like the 80s and 90s is very cheap and janky looking. And, you know, obviously he is those animators. And it yeah, it doesn't it doesn't do what you want it to do. If you could get somebody if they could have mimicked the style of the 1940s cartoons and you're like, wow, you know, nowadays if it was made. That's what it would be. It would be like you're watching an old cartoon that busted open into a movie. And but they did that with the gremlins, like all the gremlins, (laughs) like the Edward G. Robinson gremlin, you know, the the, the female gremlin. Like it was those are all the characters that you would see from those old Looney Tunes. Yeah. And that because you see Bugs Bunny put on the lipstick and and do and do drag all the time in his cartoons. And that's what happens in gremlins. And that's, I think, one of the funniest sequences is all the stuff with Robert Picardo and that particular gremlin which is a lot of fun but you know there's a lot of inside jokes in this if if you are a movie lover especially if you love those old hammer horror films and the old mm-hmm. you know invasion of the body snatchers yeah. and and all the old <laughs> roger corman things there's all kinds of little bits and pieces and little easter eggs in there for you my favorite is christopher lee seeing the bat gremlin and this look of familiarity comes yes. over his face because he's one of the most famous draculas of all time and he dr. just sort of looks Catheter. at dr great names um i really you know I, I had seen this movie before but i forgot almost all of it and uh the biggest flaw of the movie its biggest drawback is it doesn't uh, you you touched on it before it doesn't have the spirit of the first one it's mm-hmm. just such a left turn yeah. you know um <laughs> it, it harkens back to the first one at times when you you know, you see the picture that he's drawn of of uh, what's it called Kingston, Kingston Falls, Falls yeah. yeah, and things, and you sort of remember the first one. It's it is weird that it's six years later. Most most sequels, I think, come out like maybe two to three years later, yeah. or something like that. So that enough time has passed that maybe you've forgotten the feel and the spirit of that first movie. But that first movie is also so Christmassy, and as mm-hmm. you said, so Capra esque. This doesn't have really any of that. I think he made a choice. Dante made a choice to say, like, look, if you go back to the well and try to replicate that, you're never going to succeed because midway through that movie, all hell breaks loose and it becomes a Warner Brothers cartoon. So that even though like even when you get to the final sequence in the department store, even though there's still like there's there's tension and there's horror elements. By that point, the movie has already showed you it played its hand in terms of the. The parody and the humor. So you're never as scared or invested in the horror of the gremlins by, by the end of that film as you are right. in that early section where it's like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Are they going to eat everybody in town? Are they going to kill yeah. the mother yeah. in the kitchen? The mother so in the kitchen. Yes. So yes. once you've done that, I think once you've gone there, you're like, well, you can't put the genie back in the bottle and start off and be like the dread of the gremlins. What will happen when they come no. out? Cause you know, it's going to be funny at some point. So yeah. I think, but you're right though. It doesn't have, there are moments where it really tries to like, I watch it and I just think pure comedy, pure comedy, but yeah. there are like gross out moments and scary oh, things. And when the one turns in into a spider in the oh shredder is disgusting and oh it gets in John Glover's mouth, it's hysterical, uh. but it's disgusting. It's so oh, it has it's the gross. gross out stuff. It has frightening imagery, but it doesn't really land the gross bit lands, but the but it can't surprise, it can't shock because we've seen a variation no. on it before. Oh so no, I no, think no, no, no! I, I disagree. Time. It did surprise and it did shock. I was constantly surprised and shocked. I trust that's not the brain hormone that that creature's drinking. Good boy, nice boy. That's a good creature. 
Now, let's talk this over. I can get you diseases. You'd like that, wouldn't you? One of the main places, uh, locations in this in this building was called what was the business? Uh, Splice of Life. Splice of Life. So I, I mean, just how it relates to this podcast. There was a line. There are some things that man is not meant to splice. <laughs> I was like, if there was ever a greater line that somehow relates to this podcast, I thought, Mike, this must be oh, Dr. Said, Moreau is- and Sheila's favorite movie ever. Yeah. I wrote that. I was like, this is like Dr. Merlot's lab. Amazing. We're seeing the inside of Dr. Merlot's it's lab. It's true. It's you so know what true. I kept thinking of when I was watching this? And <laughs> because I kept thinking of, of Neil Young and Lou Reed because there's a very, there, there's sort of a, famous story about both of them that in the 80s they were both in uh, record contracts that they wanted to get out of. Like Neil Young was contracted to, to one of the big studios and he wanted to get out but they're like but you owe us four records. And he's like I, let me just let me just go. He's like no you owe us four records. So he said okay I'll give you four records and he released four of the strangest <laughs> records. He did like a whole doo-wop record he did like Lou Reed famously has this album I think it's called Metal Machine where it's just the sound because the same thing he was part of a contract and they're like you've got to do this mm-hmm. you've got to make so he's like alright I'll make you a record and it's just like noise and they're terrible albums but they're oddities you know <laughs> mm-hmm. but like the people who are big fans sort of gravitate towards them because mm-hmm. and again it, it, it that's what i kept thinking that joe dante was like all right you want me to make this movie okay i'll, I'll give you your your, your sequel well listen just, every, everybody knows you don't feed lou reed after midnight you don't do <laughs> and you don't get neil young wet you can't get him wet he's never showered he's Please never showered don't. have you seen him <laughs> he actually um, that edward g robinson gremlin sort of looked like neil young <laughs> I'm in the Hollywood. I wasn't. I tell you, I wasn't crazy about those first few when they when he. I wasn't either. I didn't like the first batch because (laughs) because they were so they didn't look like gremlins. And then you get to the point where. Once the movie gets more populated with them, and especially there's some very cool, the effects and the puppeteering is better yeah. than the yeah. first one. But I like the look of the original ones. They, they were grungier, scalier, yeah. scarier, more They're disgusting. Scarier. These are funnier and slicker, but they are really, they're amazing. They're really great. And when you see like when uh, the coolest thing in this one is. It reminds me of that stuff we were talking about with Freddy Krueger, where you see the the souls of the the children in his skin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When they're being God, born, yeah. when, they're, when the gremlins get wet, and you see those pus sacks with little yeah. gremlins being born inside. Yucky. That's fucking cool. It's disgusting and yeah. it's cool. And those designs are great. Those Rick Baker designs are great because it is a mm. variation on the original gremlin. But when they get too <laughs> far and it's funny that the movie does the opposite of what you think, which is you would think the first gremlins for him to spawn would look more like what we're used to. And then it would get crazier and crazier. The best one to me is the Tony Randall gremlin. The brain gremlin is ridiculous. ridiculous. But but such great, you know, when you listen to some of his lines, they're great. He's like, we want a civilization. We want want a society, you know. And he's saying this with one hand, he's saying that. He's got glasses and a turtleneck sweater on TV and saying, we just want our rights. We want our rights. And then in the middle of the interview, he goes and shoots another gremlin in cold blood. And he's like, you know, that was fun, but it's not civilized. Teach us how to be civilized. It's like some like really, it's very interesting. That's right out of of Aristophanes. I mean, to go back 
back to your paper. I yeah, mean, that co- yeah. comes right. That that kind of commentary is right out of you know goes all the way back to that. Fred, what we want is, I think, what everyone wants and what you and your viewers have, civilization. Yes, but uh, what sort of civilization are you speaking of, Richard? The niceties, Fred, the fine points. Diplomacy, compassion, standards, manners, tradition. That's what we're reaching toward. Oh, we may stumble along the way, but civilization, yes. The Geneva Convention, chamber music, Susan Sontag. Everything your society has worked so hard to accomplish over the centuries, that's what we aspire to. We want to be civilized. I mean, you take a look at this fellow here. Now, was that civilized? No, clearly not. Fun, but in no sense civilized. The more I think about it, the more I'm hearing you guys talk about it, especially you, Jason, about like what Joe Dante's sort of, I guess, agenda was with this yeah. with this movie, the more I, I guess I... I get more and more of an appreciation of the fact that he's like, okay, were he to have gone back and made something with the tone, the style, the heart of the original Gremlins, it may not have worked. It may have been less successful uh, than this to try to to try to revisit that. I mean, it is artistically less successful. It would have made more money, probably. But yeah, yeah, you're probably right. But But, um, you know, I I think that the 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 um, the performances are are successful, especially from John Glover. Um, I really like Havland Morris in this. Um, I think, I think she does. A, I think she does a great job. Ultimately, same reaction I had Fred where I was like, what is she doing? And then I was like, oh, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Getty Watanabe. I was like, who's the other person from 16 Candles? It's like, oh yeah, right. Getty Watanabe's in this. I love Christopher Lee in it, but really I think this, the shining star of it is John Glover. I mean, he, he is yeah. not doing Trump, nor is he doing Ted Turner, but he captures the essence of that sort of megalomaniacal, crazy New York billionaire in a, in a great and wonderful way without playing it negative. No, and that's yes, what I like. That's yeah. positive. He plays it positive, and he's kind of the hero of the movie at the end. Absolutely, it, it was written to be the villain, and he made it. They they attribute it basically to him that he made him likable and sunny and like all the all the things that people say they like that they look for in a in a trump or somebody we're like well he's a self-made man he's a bit you know like the the (laughs) the the image of like capitalist as hero you know that Mm -hmm. that we're also daddy obviously uh, yeah exactly he's much more daddy he's much more (laughs) like that like a like like daddy warbucks at the end of annie than any kind of other he's not lex luthor he's you know he's uh, right yeah he's playing this guy who should be the son of a bitch villain of the movie as yeah this like sunny optimistic (laughs) i guess i guess it's also very reagan era kind of like let's pull ourselves up by our bootstraps very much so very funny you've captured the whole essence of the project right here look at the kids with the kites that's warmth i like warmth what's your name uh billy Uh, william peltzer sir bill huh now that's what we need here people who produce huh Let's uh, lose those elm trees, though, Bill. People see elm, they think Dutch, disease. Absolutely. The funniest stuff in the movie, much like a Mad Magazine, again, where it's like the stuff in the corners, the Sergio Aragones cartoons. It's all like the stuff that... The announcements. The announcements. Over the like, loudspeakers. Right, yeah, Welcome to the men's room. Hope you washed your hands, pal. <laughs> right? Those are the other one. The, the announcement about the fire where people are coming out in the hall like, what? Yeah. It's so subtle yeah. and like so designed to not, quote unquote, trigger anyone that people don't know there's a fire in the building. Oldest of man's mysteries. Giver of warmth. Destroyer of forests. Right now, this building is on fire. What? Yes, the building is 
on fire. Leave the building. Enact the age-old drama of self-preservation. Fire! Fire! How many Sheilas? Oh, boy. I mean, my wow. shit, I, I feel like I, I don't even know where to go because it just, when the movie first started, I was this like, oh, tough. this is like a, this is a two. And then yeah. it started to rise and it went in the middle. And now like talking about it, I'm scared. I'm scared of what, of what number is going to come out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah. It's two nothing but troubles plus a one true thing because there are sad parts. And <laughs> my, minus, <laughs> minus a no small affair plus... A mega four. So I'm going to give it 6.5. I almost want to give it. No, I can't. I can't. My instinct is to give it an eight. I'm like, no, I cannot do that. Wow. Why do- can't you? When I'm giving it a nine. <gasps> Jason. It's a O'Connell. nine. I'm going to do a nine. seven and a half only because it's such an oddity of a movie. It's you. You can't. It's sort of it's got to be seen and heard and experienced to be believed. And I do think. And if you can say that about a movie then that's worth something. What do you, you the, the movies you give sevens, eights, nines to Dan, and you're like, oh, I love the baby. The dog <laughs> is cute. Like, this is this is doing something. Now, wait a minute. So do you like this better than the first one? No, first Jason? one is a 10. Oh, you me. gave the first one a 10. Yeah, okay. first one's a 10. For I think God I did when we, because we didn't give Sheila's back then, but then when Damon, when we did the, we, we kind of did our retrospective and we kind of quickly assigned Sheila's. I think I said, come on, Gremlins is a 10. For me, it's one of my favorite movies. This wow. is, yeah, this is not, yes, I don't love this as much as the first one, but I do love it. And I was going to go at first, I was going to go a little lower. I was like, "Mm," because I agree with you guys on on everything, even like things like, yeah, that animation doesn't work at the very beginning. Yeah, it does look like a cheap TV movie at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's certainly not. (laughs) It's certainly not perfect. But look at me. It's close to perfect. Nine (laughs) All right. Um, You're seven point five real quick. Oh, okay. Well, no. oh, sorry. Oh, no, wait, cut that. You sorry. It. Yes. You you did say seven. You said what you were. You were 7.5. 7. Yeah, that's great. You yeah. don't have to. Care. Yeah, go, go ahead. We'll okay. I'll be right back. Stay. I'll stay. get some more. Stay. 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 Roll over. Good boy. I'll be right back, too. <laughs> Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. I can't believe he gave that a fucking nine. <laughs> what else did he give? A, we have to do a retrospect. What else he's given nines to? Um, Jurassic Park. I mean, he's thinking Jurassic this is good Park, yeah. Jurassic Park. Are you fucking getting me right now? He thinks this is as good as Jurassic Park. I mean, but if, if you have a if you have a fondness for it, what am I going to tell you? I, I mean, uh, Dan, you don't you. I have a fondness for for Goldenberg's peanut chews. I don't think they're a nine of anything. Dan, they're, they're, it's, I, not a, it's not it's not they're not filet mignon. I want to say I hear you, but I, I, again, I'll bring up Super Mario Brothers and Baby's Day Out. So I didn't give them nines, or did I? No, Did but I? you gave them way higher than any rational person should have. All right, look. So. <laughs> the, I, mostly I'm a 6.5 because I didn't want to piss him off. Like giving it like a 4.5. So this Jesus is all being recorded Christ. right now. He's going to learn this. So you might, he's going to listen to it. Oh, so fuck. you might as well come out, come out and be honest. When he, We're going to have an Oprah moment. Okay. okay. We're gonna have an you Oprah moment. You got a car. Moment. You got a gremlin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, we're gonna. You're, you're gonna. We, the truth needs to come out, Dan. You can't hold. You can't hide the truth from Jason. Meanwhile, in our universe. Oh Jesus! Here he comes. Oh fuck. Oh boy. All right. We're gonna. We're gonna oh, do this. We're oh, for do Christ's this. sake! Here he comes. He's back. 
All oh, right, Jason. God almighty. Just fed the dog. What? Okay, so two things. One, yeah. I think you need to at some point compile just a a um a sizzle reel of just all the times I had to go pee. Just all the moments. <laughs> Good thinking. Okay. Two, so Dan and I spoke while you were gone. I'm really <laughs> struggling. And I'm and I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of play Oprah here or Barbara Walters because I feel like I need to facilitate uh, a, a reckoning here, and That's you fine. guys need to have a heart to heart because Dan, yeah. Dan, obviously, Dan, you have feelings that <laughs> that are hard for you to express. That were hard for you to express to Jason when we were recording before. That's right. And I didn't want him to get mad at me. That's right. He said, "I don't want Jason to get." mad at me. So now you guys lived together for a long time. I don't know what you were like when you would get mad at Dan, but Dan is obviously a little worried. I never got mad at Dan. Okay. I'm really more of a 4.5. Then give it what you want to give it. No, but I'm also, what I'm having, I'm not struggling so much with my- I know some people are like twos on this movie. No, I'm I'm, more that I'm struggling with is that you're giving it a nine, but but here's why is because I'm going through the travelogue in my mind of other movies you've given nines to. And what I think Fred and I have discovered is that one of them is Star Wars. Yeah. One and another one might be seven. You're putting Gremlins to the new batch. Absolutely. In the same. Absolutely. You gave Shaun of the Dead 9.5. Jason. Oh, no, no, no. Wait. No, that might have been me. (laughs) I I gave Shaun of the Dead a 10. Uh, you gave Sean of the Dead a 10, so let me see. I'm looking at the list that Damon made. Oh, yeah, here you are. If You're full I was 10. Gonna, if I was going to grade it, I always think of things as you like- You gave 7 a 9.5, oh. and you gave- 7 got uh, a 95 on the test. Gremlins gets a 90 on the test. That's you gave a 9.5 to the sixth sense. Yep. Uh, you what gave a 9 to nine Ghost. To? Ghost. So this movie, too, is as good as Ghost. Yeah. Now, these, 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 these are just the different, Completely different. You gave Baby's Day Out but, fucking 7.5 or 8. <laughs> you can never talk about anything again. And you did that in the first that seven weeks. Argument. That was yes, Fred's of course. You I said Super Mario Brothers that, and Baby's no, Day Out. You gave Super That's Mario. It. What did you give Super Mario? We didn't do Sheila's back then, but you must have attributed something to it when we did. And it must have been around a fucking 8. So if <laughs> Super Mario Brothers is 80% on a test, Gremlins to the new batch is goddamn well a 90% on a test. <laughs> But this it's, is not, it's, it's not as good as Ghost and Seven. To you. To oh. you. Artistic viability, uh, just uh, aesthetic. You can't, I, I can't. I don't know what you're talking about. You, you love dog shit. You literally love dog shit based on a whim. You are probably the, when we, when I listen back to these things, I'm like, oh, Dan's so smart about film. And you can tell he's a professor now because he's really dramatic structure and plot and storytelling and real. He's just so smart. He was never this smart in Hofstra or when I lived with him or in any of the jobs we worked together as actors. He's, he's evolved. He's truly evolved so beautifully. Like the Shalitsaurus, he soars. <laughs> but you're not going to tell me that I can't have my opinion about it when you no, no, will you go can... to bat for Baby's Day Out. You set your, you sealed your fate. It's like a tragic. You're like a, a Greek or Shakespearean tragic character who's like, it's like ah, but that day. It was sealed. His fate was sealed. And no, and no matter if you're king or whatever happens, you will be brought low again and again by your insistence that Baby's Day Out was a good movie. So I it, did tour the country as Eddie Puss for a while. 
<laughs> now listen to me right now. I'm not saying you're not allowed to enjoy it. Enjoy what you like, what you want. Like what you. If Fred likes that terrible Neil Young album, fine. If you like this movie, fine. Like what you want to like. But what I'm saying is nine is something you're also giving great movies to. You know what I mean? Great, yes, you give it to great movies. I think this is great. I think it's great. And I'll, you can find a lot of people out there who will agree with me. I, I who vastly oh, prefer right. this to the first one for different reasons. Do, Everybody's first got one, a, first its one. taste. You, you, uh, all right, we're going to put a poll. Let's do a face Facebook poll. People who feel that Seven is as good a movie that Gremlins to the new batch is on par with. Either what seven is, is not the, the type nines, of, Jason gave. Seven is not. You the, said you were going to mitigate this. You're not doing a goddamn thing here, Fred. You're not being Oprah. I'm letting you guys talk it out. I don't. I don't normally enjoy movies like Seven that much. The fact that it's so high for me is a testament to how great it is. A, a movie like Gremlins to the New Batch feels like it was made for me. It feels it's completely my taste, my sensibilities. It's nuts. It's balls to the wall. It's ridiculous. It fails spectacularly as much as it succeeds. It's funny. It's jam packed. It's ludicrous. It's got great actors. It's got great artistry and design and effects. It's all the shit that I've always loved smashed into one movie together. I like the first Gremlins more. I like the fucking Superman and the Dark Knight more. I like seven more. I like a lot of movies more, but there's a lot of movies that I would give a 90% to 100% to. And this rests around a 90. Listen to me right now. Fred said he was going to be Oprah Winfrey in this conversation, that he was going to mitigate and 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 bring us together on this. And he's done nothing. I give him a 2.5. Well, I am giving I, you all a car. I give you. Thank you. You I get a car, you Dan. A, you get a car, Jason. You get a car, John Glover. You get a car, Electro Gremlin. And you get a car, Edward G. Robinson Gremlin. <laughs> All this the is, gremlins get gone. This is the most Chuck Barris. It's not Oprah. It's the most Chuck Barrissy you've ever sounded, <laughs> which is great. We need some more stuff, gremlins. <laughs> and Joe it's Dante a gene, gene, the dancing machine, gremlin. <laughs> bright, bright lights, 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 bright, bright lights, 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 bright, bright lights, lights, lights. Okay, yes. well, Jason, you turned me when you said, this is a movie that feels like it was made for me. Now I'm with you. I'm fine. Because that's the way I feel about Caddyshack. Caddyshack's not as good of a movie as as you know as some as Raiders of the Lost Ark, but for me, but you give it a ten, right? I yeah, give it a you ten. love it so so much. Because That's I how I felt it about so. Disorderlies. And felt I'm- like it was made for me. Now listen, I got some mail sack stuff, boys. <gasps> okay. Some some interesting tidbits. This is amazing. This is amazing. First of all. I, I want to I want to recognize a lot of people wrote in uh, via text or email or messenger or just called and they were were real. And this was sort of touching to me. They were really upset that we were that we had to switch to this bi monthly format for a little yes. while. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were upset. They're like, what, what are we going to do? What, 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 what am I going to do week to week? And I said, you can blame Dan. Yes. For getting a job. No, it's I'm kidding. all of us. We're all busy. No, it's all of us. I know. It's my fault. What, right. what, what that made me feel nice about was, and so so thank you, yes. everyone who thank did that. Thank you for that. loving and the show. Thank yeah, exactly. Listeners. And it made me feel like, wow, okay, we've 
we've done something that has, that has, has touched and helped people in a way as much as it's helped us. I mean, I feel like this has been a nice form of therapy for us. So Correct. it's nice that, you know, whether it's, 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 5,000 listeners or five listeners or whatever it is. It's just nice that, that people are digging it. And, um, you know, hopefully at some point we will get back to, to that schedule, but we're just happy that, that you guys are, are enjoying this. And, uh, we, we, we miss doing it as much as, as you miss hearing it, I think, you know, um, but we're going to continue to do it in some, whatever format it is. So that was, that was, that was nice to hear. Um, another way, that uh, this podcast has touched people. Ah, the French. Is we, opening weekend podcast, made an appearance at a school. And I think I might have sent you guys a text about this. One of my neighbors, we have entered the educational system. Oh, right. Wow. Uh, Finally. Finally. We we were used. You're in the educational system, stupid. (laughs) We were used. I'm getting to attend. And this is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> we were using a 10th grade global history class at the Rye High School. Wow. One of my neighbors, Jerry Jones, uh, she teaches history there. She's teaching global <laughs> history to 10th graders. And she wanted them, they're doing their own podcast. They, they each have, they're like pairing up and they're doing a podcast. Wonderful. So as an example <laughs> of how to do a podcast, she played a few of our episodes. Oh, God. And over. Uh, they, I think they enjoyed it, but she was, I I said, well, you know, there's a few that you might want to play because that was, you know, I explained the premise of it and we go back in time and I said, you know, what grade is, she said 10th grade. I said, okay. So I started in my head trying to figure out, okay, which episodes, you know, go back to the time when I was around 10th grade. Mm. And one of them was the Good Morning Vietnam one with David mm-hmm. Scoff, which he played a bit of. Wonderful. And uh, the other one was Major League, which was, I can't remember which episode that was. That was in the 40s, uh, I believe. Was, yeah, mm-hmm. it was It was with Dream Team and Dream uh, Team, yeah. what was the other one? Uh, Dead Calm. Dead like, Calm. Yeah, high 40s. Right. High 40s. Yeah, and that starts with the the famous baseball song oh, that yes. the, the homeless man that, that you met on the street sang the baseball song, which then segues to a song about cock rings. So this 10th grade global history class got to hear Jason O'Connell sing cock ring, cock rings. What do you do? They, as all, they thought I said Johnny Cochran. And you know how much 10th graders love. Johnny Cochran, the late Johnny Cochran. Johnny Cochran. (laughs) Well, Jerry said that she went, she got very nervous and she was, she went to the health teacher there and she's like, oh my God, I just played a podcast (gasps) in my class where they sang about cock rings and the health teacher said, that's nothing. The the stuff that we teach these kids nowadays, (gasps) you're, you're completely fine. NSFW. Yeah. Come on. That's great. It would be great if we had gotten somebody fired. That would have been fantastic. (laughs) Oh, no. No, I'm kidding. What are they teaching them in this health class? Are they teaching them about cock rings and what else? I Blood guess plugs? so. Do you want wow. to do you want to enroll and say like, hey, so I need I can to learn. learn from you? Yes, uh, I'm going to read a letter since uh, Dan and I were just talking about this. Our friend Jeff Gonzalez, I think he probably wrote the same thing to Dan. He wrote us emails. Oh, we love very sweet emails um, about all sorts of things. He's a wonderful, wonderful actor that we mm-hmm. worked uh, at Hudson Valley Shakespeare Festival with. Uh, he's a graduate of the New School. Uh, right now, he's you know as so many actors have during the pandemic, he's 
he's taking another job. He's with family right now. And uh, and so he's had this nine to five for a while. And he he wrote an email about catching up on the podcast. And he said, Jason, I've I've driven away from so many uh, tough work days only to spend an hour on the road howling with laughter while listening to the three of you talk about the movies that I love. It is exactly what I need. At this point, it's almost become a reward for me. I put in the time today. I get an hour of opening weekend. I'm way behind on my listening, but that's turned out to be a blessing because now I've got hours and hours and hours to listen to during my drives. So that's from our good buddy, Jeff Gonzalez, who loves the show. He wrote me a similar email and uh, it was very, very, very heartwarming to read. And and thank you, Jeff, for doing that. What a a sweet guy he is. That's very nice. You can write me an email too. Jeff, I'd love to (laughs) hear from you. We've never met. He's he at did mail, say, Mailer Damon at, wait, <laughs> not Damon, not Damon, our friend Damon. I also have an addition to uh, the, the greatest comedic performances of all Ooh. time. Uh, yes. My daughter Izzy, my <gasps> wife Kate chimed in, Michael Pena as Luis and Ant-Man in both, in Ant-Man oh, and Ant-Man so and the Wasp. Oh, he's so funny. Yeah, he's he very great. funny in those. Yeah. He is great. I've never seen anything like this. I... And I have been in this business. No. <laughs> Talk about somebody who traces his dick. Okay. <laughs> dick Tracy. Dick Tasty. Okay. <laughs> this is perfect podcast. That's what you'll dick. say. Theo Tracy the Dick. For oh. Felicia. <laughs> Felicia the Felator. See you later, See you later, Felator. <laughs> I've got a million of them. Roofies, that is, in this suitcase. <laughs> I don't carry them around in bottles. <laughs> don't check that bag. <laughs> Need that on the plane. You'll see. You won the contest. Dick Tracer. Tracy. <laughs> Let's go. Big Boy Caprice. Breathless Mahoney. Flat Top. The DA. Prune Face. Mumbles. Lips Manless. And The Blank are out to get the greatest detective of all time. I'm rubbing him out. I want him dead. Nobody touches Tracy but me. Tracy. 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 You mind if I call you Dick? I was beginning to wonder what a girl had to do to get arrested. Wearing that dress is a step in the right direction. For a tough guy, you do a lot of pansy things. Hard-boiled detective Dick Tracy, played by the film's producer and director Warren Beatty, is searching for evidence that will put Alphonse Big Boy Caprice, an Oscar-nominated and truly inspired Al Pacino, behind bars once and for all. Tracy thinks the key to unraveling the crime lord's illegal empire may be Breathless Mahoney, played by Madonna, who was also Baby's girlfriend at the time, an enigmatic barroom singer who has witnessed some of Caprice's most horrifying crimes firsthand. However, she seems more interested in stealing Tracy away from his girlfriend, Tess Trueheart, played by the late Glenn Headley in an utterly charming performance. Beautifully designed by Richard Silbert and photographed by Vittorio Storaro, Dick Tracy is the comic book movie Wes Anderson has yet to make. Featuring an all-star cast comprised of Beatty's Hollywood A-list pals, Dustin Hoffman, Charles Durning, Estelle Parsons, Dick Van Dyke, Seymour Castle, Michael J. Pollard, and Blink and You'll Miss Them turns by James Caan, Kathy Bates, and Catherine O'Hara. 
Interestingly, Beatty approached Jack Nicholson, Gene Hackman, and Faye Dunaway about appearing as prosthetically enhanced comic book gangsters, but all three passed because of their associations with Batman, Superman, and Supergirl, respectively. Dick Tracy was the focus of a huge marketing push from Touchstone Pictures and its parent company Walt Disney, but as was the case with Touchstone's Who Framed Roger Rabbit two years earlier, most of the merch languished in warehouses and clearance bins, with t-shirts featuring Warren Beatty's ringed silhouette, an aesthetic nod to the ubiquitous 1989 Batman logo, showing up at yard sales nationwide throughout the (laughs) 1990s. Dick Tracy was half the hit that Batman was, but four times the hit that Gremlins 2 was, taking in $22.5 million over its opening weekend en route to a worldwide box office of $162.7 million. Fred and Dan, what'd you guys think of Dick Tracer? Not to be confused with Cliffhanger or any of the other Uh, rambunctious heroes. Dick Tasty was a very good movie that I saw in a hotel, but this movie... Um, no, th- this is like I said. This is a movie that I saw um, many times working in the working in the movie city, uh, and and wanted to. I remember wanting to enjoy it more at the time, and I and I feel like that was most of America. Most yeah. of the movie going public went to this, and were like, it was good. It was okay. Nothing bad about it. Fun certainly, but why isn't it this? Other thing. Why is, you know, and to watch a quote unquote comic book movie or comic strip movie, I guess, mm-hmm. um, today, you can't help but compare it with all oh, so much of the entertainment that we that we get today that is in that vein. All of the Batman films, all of the DC stuff, all the Marvel stuff, you know, you, you've, you've got to your brain is doing that whether you want it to or not. Um, but what was lovely for me about this rewatch was that I was like, okay, hang on. This predates all of that. Obviously not mm-hmm. Batman, you know, the, the, the Tim Burton, but, but, um, and that was the problem, right? Everybody wanted it to be Batman and it's like, right. it's never going to be Batman. The, it's Dick Tracy. Nobody ex- knows Dick Tracy. Exactly. Nobody knows Dick Tracy. And even the, even, and, and, you know, you sort of have a, a, a vague idea of what Dick Tracy is, but there's nothing where you're going, Oh, it's supposed to be this. This is what it's right. supposed to be. You're not comparing it to something in your mind. Um, and, and there's no, there's no connection to an old TV show, even like with Batman, with yeah. the Adam West. There's no there's no sort of preconceived notion. And that and that, I think, helps the movie that that works in its favor, mm. even today, I think. Um, I got to see this movie. The place I'm staying now has this um, beautiful. Uh, uh, <laughs> my my wife and I are happily married. Well, I'm not I haven't moved out. <laughs> Um, the, the place I'm staying due to my current employment. The place employment. I'm has continental breakfast. And, uh... Sing Sing is really lovely because they have big TVs. No, the, the place where I'm staying now while I'm on this acting gig um, has a lovely like HD 4K, you know, TV, which I don't have at home. So it was great to see this movie mm. and hear, and it's got a great sound system here too, to see and hear this movie on this beautiful screen um, in high def because of how beautiful it is, how colorful it is. Um, and the, the Danny Elfman music is feels very much like the Batman music to mm-hmm. me. It has yeah. some of the same sort of motifs yeah. and everything. Yeah. So that was beautiful and that was exciting to me. Uh, and, and um, you know, uh, it really, going back to the comic mo- book movie thing, it, it doesn't feel like, I guess the point I'm making with all that stuff is, it doesn't feel like it's supposed to be anything because what it really is at its heart is 
a drama more yeah. than it is an action movie or a comic book movie. This is a drama about is Dick Tracy going to get together with Tess Trueheart or not? Is he going to solve the crime or not? It's it's a hard boiled like you just said in the in the intro. Yeah. It's a hard boiled detective movie that has really cool gangsters and villains in it that are made up with with cool makeup to make them seem uh, 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 more comic booky. But really, what it is, it's Philip Marlowe meets. Batman kind of yeah. um, in its style. It's beautiful. It's soaring. It's epic. Yeah, it's overlong. Yeah, there's too much singing in it. There's too many montages in it. Yeah. It's like, let's get to the next. You know, let's get to the to the ending a little quicker. Let's move it along. But it's gorgeous and it's fun. And I had a I had a very, very good time watching it. And as soon as it was over, I was like, you know, Taylor would love to see this. We should probably watch this oh, one yeah. together because I don't think she has ever seen it. And it is a beautiful, beautiful movie. It's gorgeous. And yeah. it is. And I've always liked it. And I like it mm. more every time I see it. And I've seen mm. it a lot. I liked it when I saw it in the theaters. But I was and yeah. I knew going in, I was like, I was like, they're, they're setting themselves up for a fall. All this like the next Batman shit. Of course, that's what they're going to try to do. Yeah. Yeah, they don't care that it's going to disappoint people who are looking for one. They just <laughs> no. care about getting people there and getting money, you know, yep. and, Butts in the seats. and that's what it did to some degree. But like you say, after the first weekend, it dropped precipitously. Yeah. And it's just it's a much it's big and beautiful and gorgeous. And a lot of money is up there on the screen. Mm -hmm. But it's really and you said it's a drama. It's an incredibly, to me, watching it this time, especially an incredibly personal movie yeah. about Warren Beatty. And we talked about like last week, you said like Spielberg, these directors at a certain, you know, you're the, the, to get invested as a grown man with that much talent or a grown woman. It's got to be about <laughs> you somehow. It's got to speak to yes. you somehow. So these movies that Spielberg makes about grappling with like fatherhood and this and that, he's doing it here. Beatty, it's about his arrested development for sure. his confirmed bachelor status that existed <laughs> right up until this movie until, because he was dating Madonna during the time. And he's like her grandfather. And then, right before, and then <laughs> did he, he get together with her on this movie or uh, yeah, prior on, to? on or before like i don't know if he was dating okay. her and then put her in it or cast yeah. her and then they were dating but right. this is all right before he marries and has children in real life and and <laughs> and you can see the movie's all about that it's like yeah. am i gonna keep chasing this type of lifestyle yeah. or am i going to settle down and see you know the funny thing is it's like take your With own advice Warren Beatty like the yes. whole movie is like this Madonna thing is not happening like on screen it's like you don't really have chemistry she's just a sexy woman who you know who wants you and you're like yeah I'm attracted to her but you've got right wonderful Glenn Headley there you know who's, great. who's perfection I've been thinking Tess what about well you live in alone you know that? I'm not the lonely type. Well, that's something we got in common. Yep, we have that in common. Well, don't you think that since we have so much in common, it might be a good idea if we just went ahead and... Yes? Um... You keep wanting to smack some sense into him but he's but when you watch it it's a great performance everybody says well he's so bland in this he's so bland it's like yeah i disagree I, I don't think he's bland, but he is very very small and simple and just he just is like he is the calm at the center of the crazy 
design and over the top yeah. acting storm, right? He's like just there and he's it's very solid. You could take that performance and place it in a movie that wasn't a day glow comic strip and it mm-hmm. would still be very compelling. He's the scene where he's with that kid sitting in that cell and the kid decides to take his name, like the Terrific little or the orphans so they take his name and he's just looking at that certificate. He's so smart. Warren Beatty's so smart. You want to like get closer to him. You want to get his face is kind of tilted away and tilted down and he's looking at the certificate and we're like, I want to see your eyes. I want to see what you're thinking. I want to see what you're feeling. And you mm. see it, you do see it, but it's so small and private yeah. that moment where he, he's clearly so moved by that child wanting to be his son. And it's fucking fantastic. And then on the other end of the spectrum acting wise, you have Al Pacino who, <laughs> this is my favorite Al Pacino performance. He is fucking terrifying. He's hysterical and terrifying and unleashed in a way to use Fred's word, unleashed, unchained off the hook in a way I've, he's never been. I actually, it's not just that he's funny. It's not just that he's grotesque and mannered and doing like mm-hmm. great comic booky things. He's fucking frightening. I find him more threatening and frightening in this than I've ever yeah. found him as Michael Corleone or any other kind of bad guy part. I think he's chilling, which is a, quite an accomplishment under that crazy makeup and those yeah, big costume blue suits and, and stuff yeah. the costume i think he's fucking fantastic i think this movie's fantastic as you know if anything happens to tracy i'm the prime suspect leave dick tracy to me i say we kill tracy now you say i say i say you say nothing i say you get behind me we all profit you challenge me we all go down there was one napoleon one Washington, one me. I'm, you know, I, I was just listening to you guys because, and and everything you said, both said made makes sense. But I think I missed a lot of it. Mm. Um, I didn't see the movie when it first came out. Again, I don't know. I don't think I had an interest in it because, yeah, I, I there was something that smacked to me at that time of being like, well, they're just trying to do another Batman, but who cares about dick tracy i don't with really know even with pacino like who no, had not made I, a movie in years except for sea I, of love well that's so funny and, I, and, oh, I'll, and I'll talk about that because i was thinking about that i i wasn't really into pacino at that time <gasps> at, at that what? at that moment i was all about de niro i didn't oh. really get into pacino i didn't start to appreciate pacino all i really knew pacino from you know i was a huge godfather and godfather two fan at that time but i didn't really delve into him until maybe a year later once i was into college so mm. I wasn't, it, to me, I was like, if it was De Niro, who apparently was approached for the role, then maybe I would have been more excited. Yes. Ah. But I, it, at that time, I was like, all right, that's that's cool, it's Pacino. But th- so that you is were so first in- online to see Bullwinkle then, because De Niro, <laughs> exactly. that's De Niro's stab at a comic yeah. book. Isn't that there so was, funny? Oh, believe that's me, true. there was a point where it, anything that De Niro made, but thankfully by the time of Rock and Bullwinkle, I was over that, but I saw Stanley and Iris in the movie theaters. I saw Jackknife. I mean, anything that he did, I was going to say, uh, but I can't no, read so that, Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda. I can't fucking I can't read. read. I can't fucking read. read. Teach He's me great in that movie. Actually. Oh, yeah. Hey, get on Very this bike. No, get on the bike. I'll defend those movies, but not on this episode. So, no, there was nothing that was pulling me to go see it. And so, you know, I I, just I didn't have an interest. Uh, So this was the first time and I'd seen clips of it since then. Mm. Oh, you've never seen it until now. No, no. 
And, really? Yeah. Oh wow! And I, like I said, I'd seen I'd seen bits and pieces of it, but I don't think I ever saw it from start to finish. Oh my gosh! Okay. And I enjoyed it for what it was. I mean, I appreciated like the you know the color palette, and I loved that it was. You know, obviously the way it, the art directions is fantastic yeah. and the cinematography is so cool in the sense that the, the camera never moves, I noticed. It's just every shot is completely yeah. still because so it's, it's like, like a, a frame. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Right, it's, it's just a You're comic right. strip. Yeah. And the way it's framed, I mean, there's that, there's that, you know, those beautiful shots of like, you know, Beatty in the foreground, just his profile looking at the... I think he's looking at the, the oh, the walnuts, the bag of walnuts. Yes. And then you have Seymour Cassell in the back and Charles Durney. Like how everything is framed, it's like a Dick yeah. Tracy it's like panels. comic strip. It's, you know, it's not even yeah. like a comic book. It's like the comic the strip, comic strip yeah. there's frames. Panels. Yeah. And did you yeah. notice like everything's in focus at all times? They kind of did uh, yes. a technology. They were like, you know, there was never like yep. a, here's a the rack foreground, focus here's type the background. Thing, yeah. It's like yeah. everything is equally sharp focus, whatever's in yes. the foreground and the background, the, like a comic strip. It's called depth of field, gentlemen. Depth Duh. of field. How do you achieve that? How do you achieve that that look? Was that a, I, I, can, I can't remember if, I know it was a big part of this movie and I've never seen a movie that's done it. But that was depth sort of Depth of field how- is uh, achieved through aperture and focus distance. What the fuck are you talking about? Aperture and focus Distance. Oh, Calling in on the. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get uh, Orson Welles to call in on the Heaven phone and he'll tell us what the. I really do think Citizen Kane actually started that whole ah. trend. I think. Oh. I think because yeah, he, he was one yeah. of the first, if I'm not, if I'm remembering right from like the film history and yeah. stuff, I think he was one of the first to re. I mean, tr- there people had done depth of field before him, but I think he was the first to truly be like, this can elicit emotion. Ah, the French champagne has always been celebrated for its excellence. There is a California champagne by Paul Masson inspired by that same French so yeah uh, stuff like that I really appreciated and I you know it was definitely yeah that was Anderson comparison you made is 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 pretty darn apt as well but you know and I love the matte paintings and I I you know to me it was just it was an experiment in style but as two-dimensional as it looked that's sort of how it felt to me i didn't <laughs> i didn't really feel anything you know i felt the most for and i was surprised was madonna yes. i didn't i i hate to say this i wasn't crazy about her singing in the movie i didn't think she sounded great at all she sounded breathless I yeah she I didn't like- sound like she sounded like she was always just 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 barely you know, nailing the pitch. But I I was really surprised by how much I enjoyed her performance. I thought there was a lot of heart to it. It was very sad to me. Oh, yeah. It was a very, yes. as much as she was the siren and trying to seduce, 
you felt those slaps that she got. That 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 yeah. was what she was a woman who felt like that was her place. That she she didn't have the worth. She wasn't worth anything more than being the sexy mall for the you know the gangster who was going to smack her around. Touch it, touch it. I want it. Touch it. Grab it. So there were, I don't know. I was very surprised by how moved I was by her performance and how I, I felt bad for her. It was yeah. very sad. And I thought everyone was good in it. Warren Beatty's never done much for me. Mm. I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. I kept thinking, I remember at the time when the movie came out, it seemed to make so much sense. You're like, oh, of course, Warren Beatty's going to play Dick Tracy. And I don't know why, because it wasn't like I was a big Warren Beatty fan or a Dick Tracy <laughs> fan, mm. but I guess just from the way he looked, I'm like, well, of course. And I thought he was he was fine. I was surprised by it's it's a funny comparison to use with this movie where there there really was no uh, grays. Everything like the palettes, the colors were so strong. But so I enjoyed saturated. the, the yeah. gray in his character. I, for some reason, I expected <laughs> Dick Tracy was going to be. Uh, you know, very black and white and like, no, you, you do everything this, on the straight and narrow, ma'am. Everything's on the straight and narrow. Like, you know, can't like be- Dragnet. Like yeah, the more like a Dragnet. Uh, exactly, you know, exactly. Yeah. That, dragnet that's what I was series. expecting. And, and he wasn't. <laughs> and I, and I, and I like that, yeah. you know, I liked how the other guys are always trying to pull him in. They're like, you can't do that without a warrant, Tracy. And I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, mm-hmm. and you're right, Dan, it was very Philip Marlowe, very film noir. Yeah. Uh, and, and, but there was just something about it that I never, I, I never got pulled into it. Again, mm. I thought it was in much the same way that you guys were with Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. I appreciated the style of it. Mm-hmm. I appreciated how it looked, but I kept waiting. But what does it amount to? I kept I kept wondering, why? Why are you making this movie? What's the <laughs> point other than an exercise in style? Which is very cool, yeah. you know? And But I think you're right, Jason. That's why I was just, it was, it, I just sort of like, sat back and was listening because I think you're exactly right that that's why Warren Beatty was doing it in, yeah. in a way that that was the personal element mm-hmm. to it. And now that you say that, it makes complete sense because again, and maybe I just went in with pre- preconceived notions about who Dick Tracy was and I was completely wrong because when he does kiss Breathless in the beginning, I th- I was sort of shocked. Yeah. I thought, oh, wait, no, I thought he was, you know, mm-hmm. he was, he was all True to, you know, uh, test true, true heart. heart. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I was a little taken aback by that. Uh, I thought Dustin Hoffman was tempted. Genuinely tempted. Genuinely tempted. Which I, which I was, I, I was not expecting, but I thought that was very interesting. No grief for lips. I'm wearing black underwear. You know, it's legal for me to take you down to the station and sweat it out of you under the lights. I sweat a lot better in the dark. I know how you feel. You don't know if you want to hit me or kiss me. I get a lot of that. Um, yeah. yeah, I thought Dustin Hoffman was great. He's I thought so he was good. really funny. Oh, no, I thought great. all those guys are great. And it, it was it was interesting with Pacino because you think about mm-hmm. this time, as you mentioned, he must have loved this. And this is exactly what he wanted to be. Because at this time. Well, he's having so much fun, you can tell. But he was it's doing so Arturo much theater. Ui, he was his Richard III. He was Richard Absolutely. III. It was his Herod and Salome. That's what yes. I was thinking. Because yeah. not. Yes. Not. Too soon after this, no, I'm sorry, not too long after mm-hmm. this, mm-hmm. he did. I remember Pete Giambalvo and I going to see him do Herod and Salome at Circle yeah. in the Square. Yeah. 
and it's very similar. But I feel like yeah. this is that moment where, yeah, he took his because and he it's in rep with Chinese all, coffee, right? In rep exactly. with Eleven's Chinese coffee, which yeah, I saw yeah. him in, yeah, which he was wonderful. But he'd in that. been doing, he'd been working on Richard the Third. For decades at this point, he'd been working on Arturo Ui for a long time. He'd been <laughs> yes. working on Herod. Like, this was his thing. And I read somewhere that he designed his own makeup. He did. Oh, yeah. He, he one improvised actor who it. Kind of would take and pieces it, and put them on. And, and, interesting. And again, it's like I'm thinking, oh, because this is this was very similar to his look when I saw him in Salome and mm. in some of the pictures I've seen from the Richards that he's done. You dumb dick. You have just said goodbye to oxygen. You silly, stupid cop. You refuse me. I offer you the keys to a kingdom, and you tell me you're an officer of the law. I am the law! Me! And it's really from this movie that you start to get the, more. the the Pacino that we sort of know <laughs> the and are aware of Pacino. now. Yeah, the, the devil's exactly. Pacino. The yeah. yeah, you're right. And then into Scent of a Woman. And, and, you know, that's the difference between Pacino and De Niro to me is that Pacino has always come back to the theater. Always yeah. still oh, yeah. does. You know, he always comes back and does theater and does Shakespeare and does Brecht and does all these things because and Oscar Wilde and everything else, because he there is a theatricality to him that isn't necessarily there with with a with a De Niro or a, or, a, you know, I mean, Nicholson is is can be huge and theatrical, as, yeah. as we know, um, but he doesn't Which do theater. Which is funny theater, because right? he doesn't do theater. Doesn't ever. do yeah. theater and no, has never Pacino, done theater. I mean, I have but friends Pacino who are members it. of the actor's studio, our, our, my friend Michael Aronoff, who you guys know, yeah. and he says, Pacino will come in regularly just, just to work, work on stuff. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. You know, he's just one of the, wonderful. He's it's wonderful. one of the greats or the great, you know. And he's so that, that so was really good. nice. It was like to see that experiment. Like to me, this is, it's, it's, it's like experimental theater. What yeah. he's doing. And it's, now it's, he's marrying bees and fish together. I, he's taken the next step. <gasps> but it's, he's taken the next step towards true absurdist but theater. It's a real visceral performance. I mean, yeah. it's so full. It is so full. And this came out the same year as Godfather Part 3. And I remember it was a big oh my kind God. of they considered this slap in the face that he got nominated for Best Supporting Actor for Dick Tracy and he didn't get an acting nomination for his third Michael Corleone. Even though... <laughs> Godfather wow. 3, say what you will about it, wow. it got nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Screenplay, Best Supporting Actor, Best Cinematography. I mean, it got probably, up along with Dances with Wolves, the most nominations of that year. But it was considered a big slight that his nomination was for Dick Tracy. And that. But it makes sense. And I think he's... I haven't seen Godfather 3 in a million years. No. I can't imagine why I would look at it again. But I remember liking him in Godfather Part 3. But this was the performance. This was kind of electrifying. And I I wish I did see it because it's hard to watch it now. As much as I enjoyed it, we're so used to that, you know, like, you know, that the the yelling Pacino, whereas I feel like at this time, we didn't see much of that. You saw it a little bit in Scarface. Yeah, you saw it a little bit in Scarface. Yeah. You know, a little bit towards the end here and there, but this was a new Thing. And that's, I remember the commercials when he's like, got me, Dick Tracy. And yeah. it, it was, it was shocking to me again, <laughs> to see, you know, this guy who, again, I wasn't a huge, I wasn't an enormous fan of him then like I am now, but I knew that he was someone to be revered. He was a revered actor. Yeah. And he was also, I knew him from the Godfather movies where he's so subtle. Everything is so 
internal. Tiny, I mean, so, so much to the point that the guy almost got fired from the first movie because yeah. people are like, when's he going to do something? Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't so do anything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. and but that's what works so brilliantly in that performance. So I remember seeing the commercials and being like, what is going on? I'm not sure what's happening, but it looks exciting. No, that's wrong. That's off. It's wrong. It doesn't work. It's not good. Boss. Boss. What? I'm sorry. These girls are tired. Yeah, we've been doing it all night. It's 2 a.m. It's 2 a.m. I'm about to turn this dump into the birthplace of a new era in entertainment. You're telling me it's 2 a.m. And he's wearing the mask. We've talked about this before on the show. It's that, that mask where you can just... Sort of be free, and well, and it highlights his eyes. You know, it 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 brings his yeah. eyes out. His eyes are bigger and wilder and crazier. I love that moment. Where he says, "I'm having a thought. I'm having a thought. It's coming. It's gone." That <laughs> yeah. is hysterical. It's you brilliant. know, that could it's easily crazy. have ended up on the cutting room floor. Easily, it does nothing for the to progress the, the plot of, that of the stuff, movie. That running commentary fantastic. with Tess is ridiculous. He's having oh. a breakdown. He's like, yeah. because he's like, "This is the one crime I didn't commit. I didn't." <laughs> I didn't kidnap you, but now I have to kidnap you. And he's just, he's going through this whole existential crisis. And then he gets to the point of tying her up and he's like, can't you see I love you? And it's so fucking funny. He's it's never so met her great. before. It's, it's the first so time he's ever great. met her. It's he's so losing good. his mind, right? He's losing he his mind. Yeah. I did not kidnap you, but I'm kidnapping you now. <laughs> it's great. It's stuff. so funny. And then it's sad oh when he die, when they knock it, when they kill him, and it's like the same way oh, they yeah. kill Nicholson's Joker. You're like, ah, gee, yeah. there won't be a sequel, but keep him around no. anyway. For the, <laughs> I don't want to see I ask something I wanted a better end for him, I remember thinking. Yeah, it's a little bit. It's like every movie in the 80s and 90s, like, and yeah. now knock him off of something high. Yeah. He falls he's down done. a thing. Yeah. Because the emperor. Saying? But um, yeah, uh, can right. I ask a plot question? Yes. Uh, what, you know, like a lot of the Philip Marlowe, like we saw with Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, you know, it, the plot, you can, <laughs> the, the, the machinations of, the, of how the crime gets solved are not important. However, mm-hmm. I did think this was important. He brings out the mumbles. Dustin Hoffman is great. He brings out the mumbles thing, which it seems like he's had that in his back pocket. Oh, I can slow down the mumbles tape and figure out exactly what happened Mm -hmm. at any point. Or is he just discovering that right then and there in the moment? You know, that didn't make sense to me that it was like, ah, now I will use my ace in the hole, which is slowing down the mumbles tape yeah. to actually figure out that bit that I could have arrested big boy Caprice at any moment in the last two hours because I have the confession from mumbles. Did you get the impression that he always had that in his back pocket or was that a discovery that he made in I, the moment? Cause I it's had, like, that was weak to me. I had it always had in mind that it was in his back pocket that, that he got it. And then they were like, oh, we can't, I thought. Then why not use it earlier in the I movie? I don't know, but I do think it, but I, uh, yeah, you're, you're right. But I do think, I do think we would have seen him discovering it like, you know, have that moment of like, this is useless. And then it's like, well, wait, slow it down. You know what I mean? And then right. discovering it because it does seem like he's got what he wants. And the other guys are like, we can't use that. That's not a confession, Tracy. And he just is off doing whatever he's doing. And right. It's that thing yeah. of like, oh, who knows what's going on inside Dick Tracy's mind. And then later on, <laughs> right. when he you know, then he uses it at a fortuitous moment. But you're you're right. Yeah. The I whole time he's trying to get big boy on anything he can and he can't get him. But he has this evidence. He has the mumbles evidence the whole movie. He always has it. 
so, to bring it out in well into our, you know, our yeah, and a half yeah. land. I was like, I, I don't, I don't, I, yeah. You're, so there it is. I, I think we either have to see him make the discovery. We got to see a moment where the light bulb goes off and goes, wait a minute, wait a minute. Mumbles is actually telling us. He always has been telling us. We just have to slow it down. He's just talking too fast. Yeah, Since def- we don't see that moment, we have to assume he's always had this information. And then it doesn't make sense I why he waits so long I do think it's more it. fun to see for us to discover it when mumbles realizes it. I think that's, what's great. And then, and then he's oh, got this incredible that's, Stan yes. Laurel crying <laughs> jag where he's sitting there. Yes. It's so fucking good. Let's take this and play it for big boy. Oh, wait, well, uh, wait, 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 keys, the piano man set you up. Big boy paint him to get you out of the way. There's so many How many Sheilas for the, for Dick Tracer? Mm. For Dickie T. Mm. I'm going to go because I enjoyed it so much on this rewatch. I did enjoy it. I'm going to go a solid 7.7538. A solid 7.7538. Wow. I'm going to give it a six. I, w- I was a little, I don't know. I was, a, I was a little underwhelmed by it. I can see something, something stewing in Jason. I'm feeling, could this, could this be a, I can't imagine this would be a 10, no. but I don't know. I feel like you're, you're, you're getting ready to, 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 to pop out something exciting. He likes Gremlins 2 more than this. I'm thinking Jason's going to be in the eight ish range. 9.5 for Dick oh. Tracy. Wow. You son of a bitch. Wow. Dick Tracy is uh, is really it's fucking great. It's great. It's beautiful. And you, and you didn't like Blade Runner. No, that's terrible. I can't. I can't follow that. Can't follow wow. it. It's boring to me. If it, if 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 everything was the primary color wheel in Blade Runner, maybe I'd be like, oh my god, look at his raincoat. It's bright green. It's, everything's bright. The reds wow. in this movie. I was like, I can't. Believe, the reds and the yellows. Yeah, it's like it's hypnotic. It's hypnotic. I think these are both. Maybe Great that's why movies. I fell asleep twice watching it. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm the, yeah, maybe I'm, uh, uh, I'm not a pot smoker really, but I don't do the doobie, but I've had a lot of, I know a lot of people who say like, these are great movies to watch stoned, especially Gremlins too. I have a friend who is like, Oh, Gremlins too, I believe it. Oh, God. To watch under God. the influence. Um, you feel like you're stoned watching it. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I thought I was watching Curious George when I was watching Dick Tracy because he does resemble the man in the big yellow hat. And that little kid resembles Curious George. (laughs) But yeah, no, I'm I'm very high on both of these movies. I remember when they came out, I was like, my God, most people don't like these that much. I fucking love them. And Dick Tracy has grown in my uh, estimation. Hmm. I mean, and I haven't watched it for a while. And I last night, I was not expecting to be quite as high on it i thought it was going to be about the i thought it was probably going to be around an eight or a nine but mm. i was like you know i had just finished giving gremlins to a nine in my mind and then i was like oh this is just i was just so uh, in, i was enjoying every second i do think it does it does trail off towards the end i could have had it wrap up more quickly dick yeah. tracy i yeah. you know Madonna, I like Madonna and I was a big Madonna fan at this time, you know, loved her, her music and, and thought it was fun that she was in this. And I liked, you know, I liked the Sondheim songs. Today it seemed the world was about to end, dignity, as though it would last half a year. Yesterday 
think it's bold. I think it's bold what Pacino's doing and bold what Beatty's doing on the yep. other end of the spectrum. And so I, yeah, I just really I, I love it. I agree with everything you're saying, Fred, about Madonna's performance as well. Yeah, the the the, the she, I, I guess she had some she she really Sondheim had to work with her a lot, you know, on on the songs like he like personally worked with her on like, here's how you sing my stuff, you know. Yeah. So, so it's, she wasn't used to like doing like, just that. Just let Mandy Patankin of- sing them all. Thank you for listening, everyone. Uh, Join us again in two weeks for our very special 4th of July episode. We will be revisiting the summer of 1996 and the two major releases of that holiday weekend. Independence Day, starring Will Smith, Jeff Goldblum and Bill Pullman. And Phenomenon, starring John Travolta, Kira Sedgwick and Forrest Whitaker. That is next time on episode 55 of Opening Weekend. Dan, Matisse. What do you have for us? I think I'm going to do I Always Get My Man. Is that the name of the song? Yeah, that's one of them. That's what it's called, right? Yeah. Ooh, let me get, let me turn it Sooner sooner or later, I think. Sooner or later. Sooner or later. Oh, if you want to... Treat yourself to watching Madonna performing that song at the Oscars. Oscars. I was going to bring that up. Is a great performance. And one of the reasons it's great is because she's fucking shaking shaking with nervousness at the beginning of it. And then she fucking nails it to the wall. I remember that. She's so nervous when she comes out. She's like shaking. I remember watching that. And I was going to bring that up. I'm so glad you mentioned that because she was the poor thing. She was shaking like a leaf. Oh, my God. And you can tell. And you're like, Madonna? Nervous because she's so like confident. It's because she's in a room. It's in the room she wants to be in. You know what I mean? She wanted to be a movie star. She did. You know, she knows how to play an arena. She knows how to be the Mm -hmm. biggest dog. You know, in the music industry, Mm -hmm. but in the film industry, it was different. And I remember that. I'm glad that she nails it. I want to go back and watch it because I remembered just her shaking through it, but I'm yeah. so glad oh, she, kills that she it. gets on yeah. top of it. Yeah. 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 And she's so nervous. So we'll do a little sooner or later. All right. Let me tune up. Okay. You worked so hard on that, your face turned the same palette of red <laughs> as was in Dick Tracy. That was beautiful. That left me breathless. Oh, left me breathless. Which brings us to our next film, Jean-Luc Godard's <laughs> Breathless. Is that right? I don't know what I'm talking about. You are exactly right. Yes, I knew something. Oh, it might have been Truffaut. No, I think uh, it is Jean-Luc. Uh, I think it is Jean. It's Jean-Luc Picard's breakfast. That's what it is. The opening weekend podcast is produced by Jason O'Connell, Fred Berman, and Dan Matisa, with editing by Jason O'Connell and sound mixing by Fred Berman. 
Additional help and technical support provided by Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening. Look out. I am soaked. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> Uh oh, look out! <laughs> it's not God. worth it. It's not worth it. It's absolutely <laughs> worth it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a sea of love in my pants right now. Soaked, I says. And just piss for all, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Just piss for all. <laughs> okay.